We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Oh, my goodness. It is great to be back with you in this 8 o'clock hour. A group that I really adore, a Vocal Essence, welcomes the HBCU choral powerhouse called the Aeolians. And um, their concert is uh, performance of Vocal Essence Witness is called Rejoice, and they are part of it. Again, it's the iconic Oatwood University Choir, and they're joining vocal, joining vocal Essence chorus and singers of this age for a musical affirmation of black joy and resilience at Orchestra Hall on March 6th. You do not want to miss it. Uh, here to talk about it with us is Philip Schultz, Associate Artistic Director with Vocal Essence. How are you, Philip? I am well. How are you this evening? I am doing well, absolutely. I'm so excited to have you on to talk about it. I am ashamed to say that I am not familiar with the iconic university called Oakwood, uh, nor am I, um, I, I don't know much about the Aeolians. So tell us how this um, came to be. Yeah, happy to. You know, the funny thing about uh, Oakwood, Take Six is in town tonight, and, you know, Take Six started at Oakwood University. You know, Cedric Dent is a graduate there and a couple others as well. And then the group committed, I think that group that won one of those uh, beautiful TV shows, sing-along things, uh, they are also from Oakwood University. So this university has had a tradition for so many years. They're part of the Seventh-day Adventist church community ah, um and you know that's that. a singing group of people there so uh yeah that may be why you haven't heard of them because you know they kind of run in in a different circle than let's say morehouse and spellman but uh for some 50 years now the aeolians have been the flagship ensemble there and they have toured all across the country and and now the world in recent years with amazing renditions of everything from you know classical music and then our favorite spirituals and gospel numbers as well. Okay, so as we um, look forward to this, because it's just coming around the mm-hmm. corner, um, March 6th, this is happening, and it's at Orchestra Hall. Are there still tickets available? There are. You know, the thing about COVID is uh, it takes a little longer for people to kind of decide they're going to jump back in, and, and tickets are picking up the last two weeks. Now people are going, oh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to hear this group. Um, and so I, I fully expect a big run on tickets as we get into the middle of the week once they get in town on Tuesday and people kind of hear word that this is actually happening. And it's a pretty um, so big yes. choir. Isn't it a big choir? Yeah, they've got 41 singers coming with them. I think they may sing 50 or 60 at home but about 40 singers coming with them to join us. And then, you know, we'll have our 
adults, we're singing about 80 right now, and then mm-hmm. uh, the youth choir as well. So when we're all there, there'll be about 140 of us on stage for a few of those numbers that are combined. And tell us a little bit about the vocal lessons singers of this age that are that will be performing as well. Yeah, you know, they have my heart, this group that I've created five years ago. They are from throughout the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, public high schools predominantly. They reflect and represent almost every cultural tradition that we have here in the Twin Cities, which is one of the beautiful things about the group. And our whole impetus is to put them together not just to sing, but to talk to each other and to develop cultural competency as they learn more about each other and share more about themselves with the hopes that they can bridge, you know, across difference. And they sing everything from, you know, soulful hip-hop covers to original pieces that members have co-created themselves to some traditional choral music as well. One of the pieces we're featuring this concert is from the movie Harriet, the iconic stand-up. And so we have a oh very powerful gosh, rendition of that. I love that, that yeah. song. <laughs> I sang it a couple of times. It's, it's not an easy song for me to sing, but my goodness, I think I tear up and cry every time. So there you go. Um, I have to ask you, sir, the concert uh-huh. is an affirmation of black joy and resilience. And I can only imagine yeah. how painful that may be for those that are coming in the aliens um, because it, they are an HBCU school. And as we have been mm-hmm. talking tonight about the bombs threats that many of these schools, the historic black colleges and universities are experiencing right now, are you hearing any about Oakwood University? You know, I've not heard anything there at Oakwood specifically, uh, fortunately, and we obviously are keeping all of other sibling schools in our minds. And you know as, as well as I do with the tradition that we grew up in or, and have, you know, inherited, there's this beauty, beautiful dichotomy, the way that we can find joy in the midst of adversity. In the midst of trying times, our community has been able to tap into that deep reservoir of joy unspeakable is the way I remember hearing about it when I was growing up. And and that's why I wanted to, after coming out of George Floyd and all of the trauma of the pandemic that's still lingering, to remind ourselves, but also to educate the others who would come to this concert, you know, majority of our audiences are not black, to help them to understand the beautiful resiliency and resourcefulness of our community, um, especially at this time. So, you know, everything in Ukraine and and Deshaun Hill and everything else that's happening right here locally and around the world, we have led the way as as black people, as African diaspora, in showing the world how you deal with trauma, but still find joy and hope in a better future. I tell you, Philip, if there's nothing else that we need, I promise you, every one of us need joy. You know, I try to start out my day with joy. I have a mantra that I, I speak out loud and I, I really look for joy. Even if I can't find it on my worst day, I find a way to find it because it's too important. If you have joy, then you don't need a whole lot of other stuff, you know, because with joy comes love and so much more. Go right ahead. Absolutely. And I was going to say, I'm with you there. And I love that you start every day with it. And some people, you know, they conflate joy and happiness and they're different. You're right. You can have joy without being happy in the moment. Um, and so I love that you find each day you try to find that joy to kind of get you going. Right. Jumpstart. Yeah. Better than coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we can add a little coffee to that. I have a cup right now. <laughs> so let's talk about the 32. This is the 32nd year 
uh, of mm-hmm. live performance and for for vocal essence. And Witness has been so famous for so long here in the great state of Minnesota with vocal essence. People really look forward to it. So knowing that they came up with the name Rejoice for this particular Witness program, I am I'm trying my best to get there to hear them perform and really um, understand what Rejoice will mean will mean in that moment in that time when we are around each other black white and otherwise listening to this mm-hmm. music and trying to take in that joy if there was one thing you would want people to hear let's say someone can't come to the concert for the entire concert is there one piece that you would say but please stay you gotta hear this one what would it be you know that there's a couple of things i would say in the first half of the program we have two what we call choral orchestral masterworks because you know people don't realize that that we um, black people have written music in the classical style. And so one of them is by Adolphus Hale Stork, who's up in Virginia. And it's truly a classical symphonic piece. But as you listen to it, you hear our traditions coming out in the classical writing, the rhythmic patterns, the call and response from the orchestra and the choir. Um, it's just something that taps into everything about the black experience, but written in a style that resonates with those who love classical music. So that's the first one. And then the second one, shortly thereafter, is called The Chariot Jubilee by a Canadian, Afro-Canadian composer, Nathaniel Dett. He's no longer with us. What he did was he took Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and he basically created 12 minutes of theme and variations on Swing Low, Sweet Chariot with orchestra mm-hmm. and choir. And both of those have a phenomenal tenor soloist. Um, and the person who's joining us, his name is Roderick George, coming from the University of Montevallo. And so I think those two pieces alone will have people thinking this was worth the experience. Um, just those two in the first half alone will, will blow people away, I think, and open their minds to the possibilities of what, what choral music can do to our souls. I must ask you, sir, um, when it comes to choral music, it's it almost seems... Un- it's not tainted in the sense that it stays true a lot of times. There are not so many arrangements of choral music, you know, uh, and if it is, it's an arrangement that's been around for a long time. Um, do you see that as well? I, I, am I looking through your eyes that choral music can stay the same and people can enjoy it and receive it every time? I think so. You know, the beautiful thing, like any performance, if a, if a different conductor is at the helm or a different group of singers you get a different interpretation. And so you hear the same music, but you might find something new in it when you come back to it. Um, and, and I find that and maybe because I'm a musician as you are as well, Gerilyn, maybe it's because that's what we do. I can mm-hmm. sing the same piece 10 times and each time I'm finding something new and different to, to latch on to as a performer to impart to the listener. And I think that's the beautiful thing about these witness collaborations is we have the vocal essence singers partnering with another choir and we're sharing the stage together for most of it. And so we're learning from them. They're learning from us. And this is something that just kind of happens in the moment symbiotically, you know, where you listen and you respond. So there's some beautiful things that are going to happen in rehearsal this week when the aliens arrive that I don't even know yet. I won't know till we get there. Right. And that's the beauty of it when you put two groups together. 
Well, you have been having a ball being a part of Vocal Essence. I am so excited that you are here. I told you that when you first arrived, and I still feel that way. <laughs> and um, I remember hearing about Mick Jagger speaking about Vocal Essence. He said the choral ensemble, um, of course, he's from the Rolling Stones, says that they sing magnificently, reaches thousands of students and singers and composers each year. I mean, it's remarkable where vocal essence has landed in its in its entire um, existence. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What is the next step for vocal essence as you, as you continue to move forward, as you continue to bring your music all over the world? What is next? Well, so many things, hopefully. Immediately following this, we, we do some Bob Dylan out uh, in outstate Minnesota. And then in May, we have Stuart Copeland of the police that people remember him as the big drummer. He'll be with us in May for a premiere of a work that he wrote for us. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, we're really, uh, my passion is, you know, we've, we've done these programs like Witness uh, and Conteray, which celebrates Mexican culture you know, that illuminates and and draws to the surface uh, traditions of people who live in the Twin Cities with us. We're now on the journey of really developing sustainable relationships, like really getting to know our neighbors and the communities and beginning to create music together with so many organizations like ours impart stuff. You know, we go in and we do stuff as though we have all of the wisdom and we're trying to break that mold. Instead, it's like, how can we really truly be part of the community in a lasting and sustainable way with relationships with people? And so that's what I'm really excited about over the next several years as we learn how to do that and to be better neighbors and to really support our community and hopefully more uh, transformational ways going forward. When you have success with us, make sure you let me know. I'd love to hear more about that um, because it's so important. A lot of us don't make sure that we become neighbors, that we we get to know each other, that we get into each other's hearts and become friends, become family. So um, when that starts to happen even more, call me. I do want to hear about it. I will do. I'll take you up on it. We'll go get some of that coffee. (laughs) Okay, deal. (laughs) Philip Schultz, (laughs) Associate Artistic Director of Vocal Essence. What a pleasure, sir. You take care. You too. Thanks so much for the time and, and take good care of yourself now. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, I want to let everyone know that the website, if you want to learn um, exactly about Aeolian and if you want to see what um, the prices are or when, time, and where it is, if you don't remember, please know that you can go to vocalessence.org, vocalessence.org for more information. This is going to be an exciting concert, and right now, of course, they have the uh, single tickets are on sale, single tickets for Vocal Essence. Um, and to know that they are doing this particular piece with the Aeolians, which is um, a world-renowned choir over at Oakwood University, a historically black college and university, um, this 2022 Vocal Essence Witness is going to be incredible. And they named it Rejoice! Exclamation point, And that matters. Get out and go see it, you guys. I think you will um, be surprised and excited about how your body responds, your spirit responds, the room responds sitting next to those that you don't know, all of a sudden you may meet someone that you become great friends with or they be they feel like family to you in that moment. That has happened to me, and I wish that it will happen for every one of us. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back with our next guest at 830.
clarity in a few minutes. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Steel Talking. I am your host, Geraldine Steele, and I tell you, as we were talking about vocal lessons, there's so much incredible music going on here in the great um, state of Minnesota, not just the Twin Cities metro area. I'm talking about the great state of Minnesota. Uh, there are theaters all over the place that are doing great work. We had a chance for our Christmas uh, tour this year. It was only six destinations, but wow, what did I learn? I learned so much about the theaters and how well they're doing and the challenges that they have. And uh, it's amazing. It's everywhere. It's everywhere in the state. So, um, you know, as we celebrate all that we can do, uh, we also have the show coming up at nine o'clock called Center Stage. And it's an opportunity to talk about the arts in many different ways. So I hope you'll join us uh, and listen to some of the music from some of the artists and hear about what they're doing, what concerts are coming up and that sort of thing. So stay tuned in the nine o'clock hour for that. Now, as we move forward, we're going to do some weather coming up. But my next guest is the segment called So What Do You Do? And if you haven't heard that song, you'll hear that little bump coming up. Uh, but my nephew wrote that because it's a chance for us to talk about someone or something that is doing great things. And we don't maybe we don't know about it. Maybe we haven't heard about it. And so I'm really excited to present to you the guest that we have for So What Do You Do? What, so What Do You Do? And that starts at 8.35. So you you want to make sure that you join us. Until then, we're going to do a little bit of weather. Um, we are also going to let you know that, yes, the Mom and Michael Hour is happening tonight, which I am very excited about. Michael doesn't always get a chance to join us on Sunday nights, but he's here tonight. And so many of you have said how much you enjoy that hour. So stay tuned for that as well. For those of you who are talking about the mask mandates leaving or coming or staying and that sort of thing, I can just imagine how frustrating it is. Hopefully next Sunday, I want to have about two or three guests on to really talk about that. What does it mean to them and their families, for their communities, that sort of thing? Uh, and really talk about it. It's worth even a panel discussion if we could get that, but we'll see. So just remember next Sunday, hopefully I'll be able to address that subject because I know of some people who 
are not as happy about the mandate being lifted, um, not happy about, hey, everybody being able in the Minneapolis and St. Paul to take off their mask. And um, some people are overjoyed by it. But let's talk about it next Sunday night for sure. All right, we're going to take a break. And then coming up, we're going to do some weather. And Jonathan, by the way, um, some of the songs that you've played tonight are so much fun. Thank you so much. Jonathan and I have been working together for how many years? Uh, you don't want to think about many, it, do you? You just don't want to think about too it. Too many to count. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. Is there a concert that you want to see coming up, um, you know, in the next few weeks? Or would you even go to one? Uh, no, I I think I am trying to get out more. I'm, tr- I'm planning to do things. I, I actually did some stuff this weekend because... Uh, I had some family members in town, and so I was out Friday night at the Timberwolves game. Uh, yesterday we went out to eat, and then I stayed out for a while at uh, the home bar, quote-unquote, that I usually go to. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to try to go to more concerts. There are some bands that I like that are coming into town. They're not mainstream. Not many people will know about them, I, I believe, but uh, they're they're coming into town for some shows, so I'm trying to... Set my calendar to go see them. Oh, I wish you could have seen Take Six tonight. I'm sure that concert was smoking. All right, we're going to take a break and come back with some weather in a second. What? So what do you do? This is the time where we get a chance to introduce someone or something to you that you may not know anything about. And it gives you a chance to find out some of the great things that are happening to people here in the great state of Minnesota. And with so many of our friends and organizations, there's so much to talk about. But tonight, this one is very special for me. Someone that I admire very much. He's the founder of Turning Point. Well, a national honor for this Minnesota addiction treatment pioneer uh, has happened. Turning Point's Dr. Peter Hayden, recognized for leadership in African-American community and so much more. Okay, so first of all, before I bring him on, Peter Hayden, uh, Dr. Peter Hayden, uh, founded Turning Point in Inc. in 1976 with a vision to help African-Americans struggling with the disease of addiction. Uh, 46 years later, and the Minneapolis organization has served more than, are you ready? 24,000 people. That's just one reason Turning Point received the inaugural Diversity, Inclusivity, and Racial Equity Award from the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, and why the award now bears Dr. Hayden's name. How exciting is this? Welcome to WCCO, sir. So glad to have you. Hi. Thank you so much, Jerlyn, for, uh, you know, we go way back. You're from uh, Gary and my wife. Uh, and family is from East Chicago, Indiana. And so I met you through her, and you've been just a dream for me. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Okay, so how did you feel when you received this national honor? This is a big deal for us and for the country. So how did you feel? Well, put it this way. I don't cry very much, but this brought tears to my eyes because I was not working with uh brothers and sisters who had addiction because one day I was going to be awarded something. I was working because I care. And then all of a sudden here, this national organization of over 4,000 people said, you've been doing something for 45 years and we want you to know how much we love you and appreciate you. How did your family handle it? (laughs) Well, let me just say, 
the whole family went to um, uh, Denver uh, with me because oh. it was just, you know, when you receive something as an individual, that's one thing. But when you can share it with your family, it's totally different. And as you know, our oldest daughter, Taylor Hayden, was killed in gun violence, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in Buckhead. Uh, but we feel that she was there with us. So Aaron, Sydney, Joyce, naturally, uh, Jeff, uh, we all were there receiving this. And I felt they received it more than I did because they've worked with me as a father and a uh, and an uncle and other things. Thank you. You are quite a remarkable man. Um, it's it stated here in my program note that um, when you first uh, initiated your own recovery from addiction, you never imagined earning a PhD or creating something like Turning Point. Tell us how that process went for you and was it difficult or was it absolute joy? Well, you know Henry Sullivan of Lucille Kitchen back in the yes, day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I can say this because we were in treatment together. And Henry said to me, what do you think if we had a Hazleton-type program but in the community? When he said that, I started calling Richard Green, Harry Davis, Joey Hill, all the pillars in our community and said, here's what I want to do, because if I can get it done in the suburbs somewhere, we can do this in our community. And I've never looked back with the shoulders I stand on. You actually mentioned um, that you this humbled you so much. You feel like all of them should receive a piece of this as well because you work together to make it happen. And Turning Point, you know, is well known, not just in Minnesota. And so we are so excited that you received this incredible gift um, that you should have. I mean, to know that Turning Point has been around this long. I mean, 1976. It is 2022. I don't know about yes. you, ma'am, but my hands are up for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And 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 the beauty of this award was for Turning Point, not for Dr. Peter Hayden. It was for Turning Point. But uh, they felt a need once they met me and the words I had said in my, and they met my family and saw what kind of person I was. Uh, they said, we would like to, if you would allow us to name this award after you. And then I had to fall out again and start crying. <laughs> <laughs> that type of joy. I can just imagine what that felt like for you. Um, I read here that African-Americans are twice as likely, twice as likely as white residents to experience a drug overdose. Are those numbers still that high? They are. And and let me just say uh, several things behind that. You know, uh, Jeff Hayden, my son, who was a former senator, you know, we collaborate all the time. And this is the deal. One, as as proud I as I am in Turning Point and what God has done for me, we don't have but one Turning Point in the whole state of Minnesota. We've got some small organizations that are trying to do some things, but I'm saying that there are people in position to allow us to have more Turning Points, and it doesn't just have to be my Turning Point. There's other people who are doing some great things out in our community, but a lot of money, Geraldine, is going to 
agents, not even agencies, because I don't want to say it that way, but they're going in a way that they're not proacting. They're not taking care of the people of those 22,000 people. And so you see what's going on with George Floyd's death and other people and other things that's happening because we're not funding the turning points of Minnesota. So then where do we go? What do we do in order to make sure that funding comes through? I know that Minnesotans are so generous uh, when it comes yes. to the arts and so much more. So where do we go? If we can't get it here like you needed, then then what is next? Well, let's say this. One, I just want to shout, throw a shout out to Hazleton, uh, Betty Ford, and Dr. Lee. He's come in as the new president, and the first thing he did was call me up and say, I want to sit down with you and see where we can go with that. So within the community of chemical health, there are people who want to, but we still have the state and we have the city and the county that if they don't uh, uh, help us, do the kinds of things we're doing, it's not going to matter. And so, for example, Jeff Hayden was six years old when I sold up, right? He mm-hmm. tells them all the time, if my dad hadn't sobered up, I wouldn't be a senator or I wouldn't be the person I am today. And many people can say that. So I think what we have to do is start seeing recovery in a different light. And if they would allow me to share that with them, they would start to see that that money is not going for now. That's the key because more and more people are moving here, um, some with addictions, many that are there have come to hopefully help out in so many ways. Um, as, as you move forward with Turning Point and, uh, like you said, having more relationships like with Dr. Joseph Lee, President and CEO of the Hazleton Betty Ford Foundation, um, yes. what is it that all the rest of us can do to help? Well, I think it's several things that we're doing. We're not only a treatment program, uh, an outpatient program, a housing program, but we also have a a training component to help others understand the work that we do, and we want to share that. And so what I think should happen, and I know many people listen to your show, I mean many people, (laughs) what I think they need to do is have confidence and courage in what you're saying to them to allow me to say what I'm saying and let us sit down because uh, we can make this work. Turning Point has done it for 46 years. We can make it work. It has to work. We're so grateful that it's here. We don't need it to leave. Um, there are still so many that need the help and need the um, the the option to go to Turning Point. Um, also, yeah. I wanted to mention that this, I, I know that you know this, but you're the first one to receive this particular <laughs> award, Diversity, <laughs> Inclusivity, and Racial Equity Award. That's amazing. Honey, if it was me, I'd be clucking like a duck around the house. I'm just saying. You know, and and when you go through treatment, what they try to do is help you to make the eye, uh, make the eye smaller. Okay, right, right. And so I'm trying to get a handle on this, but it's 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 really hard for me, from where I come from, to be that person that I should 
be so proud of. And so it's when people like you, your family and things of this nature, my family say, hey, look here, I would be quacking like a duck if I had received this. And that's where I'm going to try to go because my belief is in you. I mean, you know, it's just in you because I know you won't lie to me. And so I am happy. I'm, and I'm going to start quacking, too. But I am so, so happy that I have friends and people who have allowed me to be and do the work that I do to where I am today. And I'm telling you, I promise you, I'm not going to stop now. You can't stop, sir, because Turning Point's grassroots efforts are a model for best practices in culturally specific substance use disorder treatment. And, of course, we are all pleased to honor Dr. Hayden, to honor you um, for this incredible legacy that you are leaving for us. I just hope that we will see, you know, more and more years, more than 46, more than 47 years. Take it as far as it can go. And will one of your children be involved, uh, maybe even take your place? Or, uh, Aaron is on the board. That's wow. the middle child. She's mm-hmm. on the board and doing some great work in the marketing communications area. At this particular time, she she's with uh, <laughs> Target. So, you know, it's a little more money at Target than it is at any <laughs> point. <laughs> but who, who says that Jeff, Aaron, Sydney uh, won't be in line uh, for me to step down, do some other things, and then they come forth. Because all my children know of my addiction, what I've done in my life, and things of this nature. And uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not talking like you must do this, but I am talking about you. We've got to keep the legacy of Turning Point going, and we got to do it in our families. Sir, the last thing I want to say, I want to read something that is critical to those who may not know you. I think it says so much about you and that people know how desperate we need turning points. So it says here, the criteria for this award which honors individuals or organizations that have made diversity, inclusivity, and equity a priority in clinical and operational practices include diversity among staff, leadership, and governance, organization-wide and community training initiatives like anti-racism, gender inclusivity, social justice, implementation of culturally responsive clinical or or recovery support programs. And I know you're blushing right now, but sir, I wanted to put this out there because people need to know what this means, what it really means, not just to you, but to the community, to the black community and beyond. So for all of those that support Turning Point, no matter what color you are, I know that you are excited for them to hear about this. And we thank you for all that you've done. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, because you some a part of it is not a black program. It's a cultural program and all is welcome. And thank you so much. And it will be presented in May, correct, in San Diego? No, no, it's all you've already received it. I received it in December. However, now every year when that conference is held I will be there to present it to the next. To the next. Oh, (laughs) 
Oh, that's Isn't lovely. That beautiful? That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Congratulations, sir, Dr. Peter Hayden. We are so happy, not just in the community, but beyond. There are so many to, that want to support, and hopefully you'll hear from so many people that, that want to get on board, because I'm sure you could use more. Thank you, Geraldine. Uh, and, and here's the deal. I want to thank WCCO, and certainly I want to thank you for being a part of giving us and me an opportunity to share with you what my heart feels on a daily basis. Congratulations, sir. This is big. So proud. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. If you don't know what Turning Point is all about, I encourage you to go to their website. Um, But as you have already heard, it is quite remarkable, and I am so glad that it still exists after 46 years. We're going to take a break and come back with Center Stage very soon. Welcome back, everyone. As we wrap up this hour, and we've been talking about Dr. Peter Hayden, uh, of course, I want to also let you know that you can listen to his recent appearances on the NAATP's All Ears on Addiction podcast, Colors of Recovery, and Hazelton Betty Ford's Let's Talk Addiction and Recovery podcast, um, a candid conversation about race recovery and personal information. You know, Jonathan, as we hear about more and more Minnesotans um, who are on the streets, more of them who need the help um, because of addiction, do you see or do you notice that there is a dent, you know, that, that we are making more than a dent here in this great state, um, trying to take care of people, making sure they get help and support? How do you feel about what you see on the streets or what you're hearing? Uh, do you feel like we're doing a great job? Uh, I, I honestly have not paid attention to that aspect of it. It's, I think it's difficult to say Unless you are in that community, unless you are someone who has uh, is dealing with or has dealt with addiction and knows a lot of people around you that are going through the same processes, or if you work in that line of work, um, if you're outside of it, I, I would or, or I, I should say if you maybe know a close friend or a close family member that's going through that, I, I think if you're outside that that bubble, I think it's tough to say. You know, downtown, you see a lot of uh, homeless people or people that, um, you know, that just keep walking. They just keep moving. I remember seeing when it was really below zero, I was parked waiting for someone. And I watched a woman, watched a woman cross the street. I mean, it was icy and lots of snow in the street. And there she made her way with her stroller and her baby inside of that stroller. Then I had a cover over it. And you know, I, I almost started crying and I just kept thinking, what do we do about this? Is she homeless? Is she on her way to work at night? I mean, we don't know what the circumstance is. Often when we see something, we assume things, but I try not to do that. Um, and I just keep saying to myself, are we getting better in this great state? Are we doing enough? Are we doing more? Of course, there's always more to be done, but are we doing enough? And as you know, you and I talked for a moment about this when we heard that some people were calling downtown Minneapolis a hellhole. And I don't know how anyone can say that since, you know, you don't have hellholes where people pay 
$2,900 for rent for a two-bedroom, two-bath. You don't have hell holes in a place where people are buying $500,000 condos downtown. So I don't know how people get to that. Do they just assume that if we have some people downtown that don't look like us, don't act or dress like us, that we just assume, oh, my gosh, it's becoming a hell hole? I think it has to do with the fact that our lives are very robust. I'll say, you know, people are are living day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour to minute to minute, and we catch headlines and we catch sound bites. And when we see headlines that talk about a shooting in downtown Minneapolis or a shooting in North Minneapolis or a shooting on the east side of St. Paul, we we look at it, the the majority of us, and I include I include myself in the us, and I need to do better about it, in thinking and saying, well, you know, there it goes again. You know, it, it's always happening. It's, it's, it's like it's a constant cycle, and it's not a constant cycle, and it's something that the media, I include us in the media, have not done the best job of propping up the diversity of downtown and propping up the good things about downtown and the north side and the east side of St. Paul and other places, they get the headlines for more violent uh, headlines, violent stories. And so I think it's, it's like you said, it's, it's assuming it's not getting yourself dug into the place where you're looking at. You don't have stakes there. You don't have tentacles or, or, or tent poles there. And so you, what you do is you say, okay, well, those people over there, they got their issues here. Nah, we're fine. And, and, and you, it doesn't get much more below the surface other than that. That's my opinion. I- Yeah, I remember clearly when I first moved here to the Twin Cities 44 years ago, how many affordable apartments there were downtown Minneapolis and uh, around those surrounding areas. And I was just thrilled to see how many there were. Well, there are so few now downtown, And I so very few. And I agree with you real quick on that point that how is it a hellhole when you're talking about all these expensive prices for people to live here? Exactly. And live here downtown. All right. We're going to take a break and come back with Center Stage in a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 